You are listening to Electric Bike Radio. Welcome to episode 27 of Electric Bike Radio, our long-term review of the electric bike company Model E. I'm Dwayne, and I'm here in the EBR Tampa Heights studio, which (laughs) today is Jared's back porch. Uh, We just had some pizza. We've got a fire. Uh, We're sitting here with the bike that we were reviewing so that we can kind of uh, take a look at it as we talk about it. And uh, we're going to do this. Yeah, that's the plan. So, hey, Dwayne, thanks for coming over. Uh, Thanks for giving me an excuse to get a good pizza. So today marks the first time we've done a full-blown review of a bike. And we don't want our reviews to be the same as all those other ones you find on YouTube. For one, you can't see us. <laughs> well, that's that's true. That's probably a good thing. But more importantly, um, what some what we've noticed is a lot of the other reviewers, you know, they go through stats, they ride the bike for a mile or two, and they give you an opinion based on just a quick ride down a couple roads or or you know down a bike path. And sometimes they might ride it only once if you're lucky. So we don't plan on doing that with any of our reviews, this one or future ones. For example, for today's review, Electric Bike Company sent us two Model E's. Uh, we handed one of those back to them after the first week or so. But the, uh, the other one, they've let us keep for four months now. And between the two bikes, we've put about 200 miles on both of them, uh, over a dozen charge cycles. Yeah, we've really done a lot with them. We've transported them uh, on my bike rack. We've transported them inside Jared's minivan. We've gone on some group rides. Um, we've done some glow rides, uh, group rides in our local area here. And uh, Jared has even commuted with the one that we still have back and forth to work and to the school and to the grocery store because he lives in a little more bike-friendly area. So I, I will say Jared has put more miles on the bikes uh, <laughs> than I have, but we've both ridden them plenty. Absolutely. We've done long rides, short rides, slow cruises, fast workouts, and everything in between. We've ridden on smooth asphalt, rough asphalt, brick roads, boardwalks, sidewalks, multi-use, paths and even over a fairway on a hole of a local golf course when nobody was looking (laughs) yeah and uh, when I had it at my house I kept it in my garage and I uh, charged it there I had one for for quite a while and I don't have a garage so I had to maneuver the one at my house inside the house or fit it into my shed and I charge mine inside so we can tell you what that's like living with the bike inside your house if you don't have space outside And we have replaced some parts on these bikes, which is something that you may only hear about here. Uh, Parts break uh, on bikes, good bikes and bad bikes. And you probably haven't heard other reviewers share on, uh, you know, their hands-on experiences with fixing these types of bikes, taking off the rear wheels, etc. So we will give you the real lowdown on what broke, what was fixed, um, our opinions on the customer service, and what we think about all those things. So, with one final point, you know, we're going to review the bike as it was sent to us, uh, and we'll review it for what it is. So, like today, the EBC Model E we received is a beach cruiser kind of bike with some options. Is it a good example of a beach cruiser? That's the question we're going to answer. So, Dwayne, should we answer that first? Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that first, and then we'll go into some of the details, because there's, there's no reason to bury the lead. We really like the Model E as a beach cruiser. It's a comfortable, powerful bike. It's a great-looking bike. Um, We think the battery is the right size. It offers plenty of range for the types of riding most people will be doing on it. Uh, If you're looking for a beach cruiser, this is a great one to pick. 
And, you know, we think it'll be pretty durable in the long run, too, despite the few issues we ran into. And we'll cover that in detail so you can make your own decision. But for now, let's get into it. Yeah, so what we reviewed is the uh, fairly new model to the electric bike company, their Model E. It starts at uh, $1,699, you know, $1,699. They sent us two. They sent us a blacked-out sort of Darth Vader-looking bike uh, that was uh, very cool, very cool-looking. And they also sent us the white version. Um, It's... It's a really cool looking bike. It's it's got a white frame with uh, brown accessories. The seats brown. The hand grips are brown. Even the tires are are brown with sort of a beige white wall. It's got like a real classic look to it. It does. It does have a very classic, you know, very classy look. Uh, both of them are single speeds uh, with twenty six inch wheels. They both have the standard 48-volt, 12-amp-hour battery that the EBC advertises as having 50 miles of range. And then they both have the same options. Um, we went to EBC's online configura- configurator, uh, you know, their build-your-own-bike build kind of thing online today, to tell you what it would cost if you bought it today. These prices are a little higher than what, you'll, what you may hear in many reviews from YouTube when it came out a few months ago. Um, but that's no fault of EBC's. Everybody's prices have gone up with inflation we're all dealing with. And I think a sale they were offering back then expired too. So who knows if that comes back. Anyways, um, our options... Our options on our bike are we have white fenders that were $79, a silver front basket with a silver mesh liner for $139, a rear rack for $129, and an anti-theft alarm with remote for $129, bringing the bike on the configurator to a total of $2,175. And if you're not local to uh, one of EBC's factories over in California, it'll cost you shipping for $199. But if you are in California, go pick one up. Or if you just want to have a good reason to take a trip out there, I'm sure they'll give you the tour, too. <laughs> now, of course, we're in Florida, so our bikes were shipped to us. Um, they, It was kind of an interesting experience. Uh, Jared, you weren't there when they were delivered. They were delivered to my house, but you saw the, the, you saw the aftermath. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Two mm-hmm. bikes came together on a pallet uh, that was literally uh, dropped off in my driveway, or actually the, the delivery guy wheeled it into the the garage and uh it's very cool they the bikes come fully assembled uh and the only thing you have to do the the handlebars are loose they're sort of turned sideways in the box but it uh it was it was really interesting to open the box and have a bike they are ready to be rolled out right and that's a very different um different experience than you know i I want we're not going to compare a lot of bikes in this kind of review but you know, I, I bought a red wagon and I had to do some assembly, which is fine by me because that's the kind of person I am. But this was a very complete bike. So although there was some work you had to do to it, I don't think there's any way you could get a more uh, complete assembled, assembled bike via mail. Like this, this is about as good as you can get. Yeah, I think anybody that's willing to just read the instructions and use some basic tools would have no problems uh, putting this bike together. Right, and the tools come with it. Right, right. So it's, you know, this is as close to uh, someone rolling a fully assembled bike up to your house as you're going to get through an Internet delivery. Right, and and if... At this point, like if if you do want some adjustments on it, like you would have to do some adjustments no matter what bike you got. And if you're not comfortable with it, this would probably be a a two minute thing for any local bike shop. No no real issue at all. They may not even charge you for it. So, 
And we should talk about one of the reasons why they can do this is because the bike is fully assembled in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if it were coming in a shipping container from the Far East, I, I don't think they'd be able to ship it this way. It would be not so much. Yeah, it would be cost prohibitive. So that's one of the advantages to having the bike fully assembled in in the United States uh, is that they can ship them this way in a you know a fairly economical uh, fashion. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, one thing that that caught us by surprise a little bit, and we don't know if this is still true, but the documentation that we got with the bikes, um, you know, it was clearly something that was translated into English by maybe non-native English speakers. Um, There were some translation errors. There were some confusing parts. Um, We got through it okay, but I was um, a little bit surprised that the, the, the documentation was, you know, not what I would have expected, right? But but doable. I mean, you can get through it. Just um, something that could probably be improved. Uh, we did have, you know, Dwayne. We did have one other problem that you really dealt with on the black bike. No, I think it was a white bike. It was a white bike. Okay, <laughs> one of the bikes. Not that it matters. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there was an initial problem with the bike, and again. We got, Jared, I think, very early examples of these bikes. Um, We've had them for several months, so I think that maybe um, a couple of the kinks were not quite worked out yet. Uh, The rear lights on the white bike didn't work, Um, and we emailed customer service. We got a call back right away, and and they knew immediately what the problem was. Mm -hmm. There was sort of a reversed connector. Um, I don't know if it's reverse polarity, but in other words, a, a connector that was put together uh, connecting the wrong sides of, of two wires. And so uh, it was something that I could uh, fix. Um, you'd sort of, sort of turn the bike upside down and, and pull the wires out. And if you do it carefully, um, you can do <laughs> it. Uh, you can uh, reassemble that, that connector in the right way. Um, I did not do it carefully, <laughs> um, and <laughs> well, they, they wound up mailing me a, just a replacement part uh, that made it super easy to fix. Um, so it was just literally uh, dis- disconnecting two uh, connectors and reconnecting it, and everything was fine. But the bike worked fine. Uh, there were no issues with riding it. It just um, the, the lights did not work properly in, until that fix, and I, I don't think that's probably a problem that anybody... Uh, we'll see now. Right. And, you know, Dwayne, I'm just going to say, you made it sound more ominous. You tried not to be, not to, but, like, I think it was just a, like, a little four-inch cable or so that when you flipped it over, you could see the wires, you could see which one you had to pull out. You just pulled one out and plugged the new one in, and that was it. It was pretty simple. Right. With the new part, it was super easy. Yeah. Okay. So, just a small thing. And, again, that's what we're here for. We want to tell you exactly what what we saw. So... What were your first impressions on the looks of the bike? I think we kind of already covered a little bit of this, but... Yeah, I think they're both great-looking bikes. Um, you know, the, the black one is more sporty and probably more my speed of something that I would order. Like, everything on the bike was black. Uh, you know, racks and, and, and fenders and the whole bit, and it was a great, you know, sort of... Um, you know, just a sporty looking bike. Uh, the, the white bike has this sort of classic look to it, but it, it definitely, all of it looks very nice quality, um, nicely put together. You know, like somebody really with an eye towards design, uh, you know, picked the colors and made the choices. I, I, I like the appearance of both bikes a lot. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think we should note that, you know, while you and I both, I think, like the black bike the better, uh, more than the white one, 
um, our, both of our wives gravitated towards the white one. And when I brought home the black one the first day, my wife was scowling at me because she saw the pictures of the white one. <laughs> so, but, but both are very pretty bikes. Um, you know, one thing I noticed right off the bat, build quality is truly impressive. And that's one thing they pride themselves on. Um, and when we received it, I can agree. And it's little things, right? It's um, like the stainless steel rod holding on the front fender. It, it feels solid and, and well-constructed, and it's never going to rust. Um, and riding the bike later on, I'll, I'll tell you, it just it's a very solid-feeling bike all through and through. And, and that's nice to have. Um, I, I think the design is is very clean. You know, there's there's a a, a single uh, down tube on the bike that integrates the battery, mm-hmm. so that the battery is not like immediately obvious even where the battery is. Uh, it's very sleek in that way. Uh, the the way that the front uh, rack integrates to the frame looks very much, you know, like it's 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 meant to be there. Um, the, all the wiring. Uh, on the bike, at least where it runs through the frame, is is hidden. It's really all tucked away, and, and they spent some time using some uh, some of that wire loom stuff to collect all the wires off the handlebars, where you have your brake line and the brake inhibitors and all those other things running, um, you know, from the handlebars down into that center part. They're all wrapped up, so it's all nice and neat and tight. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very clean look, and it it, it do, actually doesn't scream electric bike. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. I mean, you know, if you know what you're looking for, of of course you know it is. But at first glance, people might not realize it's an electric bike because it doesn't have a big battery hanging off or wires all over the place. You know, it's interesting you say that. It does have the electric bike logo in a few different places. It has um, they're mostly decals on on the frame. Uh, there's one on. You know, the, the seat tube, there's another one, I believe, on the main tube, although I'm looking at the other side of the bike from where I'm sitting, so I think it's there. Mm-hmm. There's one on the battery. Um, electric bike radio, or sorry, elec- not electric bike radio, <laughs> that's us. Um, electric bike companies embossed onto the, the hand grips, and that's very nice looking with the stitching and everything. The one odd thing, and I don't know if you noticed this too, is um, when people came up and asked, hey, what's, what's, what company is that? And they're pointing to a logo. They're pointing to the logo that's on the back of the seat. And the logo on the back of the seat is not the standard electric bike company logo. It looks like maybe something they... It's a swirly kind of design. It's the biggest logo on the bike. And it's not the electric bike company logo. It's something different. Maybe something they they set up intentionally on that. But it's hard to tell why that's there. And I'm like, well, that's not the logo. That's, that's, that, that's not going to show you what company actually made this. It's actually this one over here. Yeah. I don't know if it's like a secondary logo that they're trying to get some traction on. It's sort of like two roads that are intertwined almost in like a yin yang sort like of symbol. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, there's nothing wrong with the symbol. It's great, but it's just, um, it doesn't immediately connect to, uh, electric bike company for me. So it's kind of funny that that's sort of the most prominent, uh, symbol on the bike. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess the first thing always, first step always is charging the bike. Um, this bike has a couple options. You can charge the battery um, with the battery in the bike, but that is not generally what I did. Um, there is a key lock that allows you to to sort of drop the battery out of the, the bottom side of the frame and take it inside and charge it, and that's generally what I tended to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it comes off very easily. Um, the charger that comes with the bike, it's a 3.5 amp charger. It's fast. Uh, that's about twice, not quite twice, but close to twice the speed of, of most other bikes you know, in this price range and below as far as how fast of a charger. Um, the other thing that that um, comes along with that, though, is that the charger is loud. 
you know, most other bikes that charge slower, they also can do that silently because they're not running as much power through it. This charger, um, it's putting a lot of power through, so it has a pretty decent-sized cooling fan in it, and that cooling fan is not quiet. You know, not an issue if you can charge in your garage or if you can, you know, well, really, if you can charge in the garage, but maybe more of an issue if you're in an apartment or, you know, when I first plugged in the charger, I had the bike in my home office, which is where I had it stashed at the time. And um, charging at that point, I'm like, nope, that's not going to work. I definitely can't work with that charger going on and <laughs> moved it to into a closet or something. Yeah, so, sort of like a small hair dryer running, right? <laughs> it's kind of like a small hair dryer running. Not, not quite yeah. as loud, but that's, yeah. that's, that's the right sound, yeah. Yeah, no, the charging is great and it's fast, but that is one one caveat is it, it is a little bit noisy. Um, oh, one other note. Uh, our bikes came with the motion sensor alarm, which we mentioned above. Um, that's very loud, which is... Oh, look at that. What a timely alarm as you hear the siren going off in the background. <laughs> um, you know, so it has this motion sensor alarm. The alarm is very loud, which is usually a good thing for an alarm to be. Um, but here, here's the one other thing that I should mention. It beeps when you put the battery back in the bike. And I mean, like, not just beep, but it's a really quick, full-volume alarm, uh, maybe half a second, which that potentially becomes a problem if you charge the battery overnight off the bike and you commute in the morning like I do, and then you have to go put the battery into the bike in the living room while everybody's sleeping. Um, be prepared to tick off the family. So just something... <laughs> one, other, one other note. It's, it's minor. I'm just mentioning it. Yeah, but it did surprise me the first time. <laughs> and the second, and, you know, every, every once in a while now, still surprises me. So let's talk about how the bike actually rides. Yeah. Uh, you know, this bike has a motor that's rated at 500 watts uh, with a maximum of 1,000 watts. It feels like a very powerful motor. I had no complaints about the power of this bike. Uh, you know, I, I'm a, a larger rider. It was really not an issue at all. Uh, I felt like it has plenty of get up and go. I agree. It feels more powerful than that rating. You know, granted, we don't have any mountains in Tampa, but I took it up the steepest bridge I know, which is the North Boulevard Bridge, kind of near the University of Tampa and Armature Works for anybody who is around here. Um, and it had no problems with my 200 plus pounds going up that hill and keeping up a pace that's, you know, well in the teens for miles an hour. Um, I think you'd only need more power if you were uh, much heavier and had more super steep hills to climb. But. You know, it's the hills. That's not what this bike is for. At least I don't think so. Right, right. It's not a mountain bike. It's a beach cruiser. It's a beach cruiser, <laughs> and and if you're on a beach, you're you're not you're not going up mountains. No, and the bike is plenty fast. Uh, it's very easy to get to 20 miles per hour just using the throttle. Uh, if you're you know, pedaling with some effort on top of a uh, full throttle, you can you can get higher. Um, I know between you and I, we saw 23, 24 miles an hour, something like that, before you just sort of run out of gearing to to go much faster on, on flat ground. But right. uh, it was very easy to ride at a comfortable pace, you know, 10 to 15 miles an hour, what people would normally ride, um, no issues at all. Right, that's where it feels best, really, is that, that area. And frankly, that's, that's where I do most of my riding in almost all of my bikes, if I'm just going for a ride is that 10 to 15 miles an hour and this felt this bike felt great there now speaking of the speed um, this is a a bike with a throttle um, you know you can ride with pedal assist or you can ride it with uh, using the the throttle lever uh, which you and i tend to like bikes both of our bikes uh, normal bikes have a throttle it's great for taking off and that sort of thing the throttle on this bike you know 
together with the fact that it's very powerful and it's pretty quick, the throttle is a little bit touchy. Um, you could use it to ride at a couple miles an hour if you wanted to, but um, it, it sort of, it, you know, it takes off on you. It's, it's not going to throw you off the bike or anything, but the point is it, it really, you have to be very judicious with the throttle if you're trying to go slowly. Right. It's almost like you need to expect it when you're coming off from a stop. And um, you know, we watched a few YouTube videos as well just to see what other people thought about the bike and, and what they saw. And, you know, I'm sure most of you who are thinking about this bike are doing the same thing. You're going onto YouTube and checking out these videos. You'll see many of them, many of the reviewers out there, feel the bike jump forward with a, with a touch of the throttle and say, wow, that's torquey or something like that. Well, the motor, motor is torquey. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but I don't think that's what you're seeing there. You're seeing that person really not expecting the bike to jump that far forward with how much they've they've turned the throttle because it just really kind of has a little bit of a hair trigger. It's definitely something you can get used to. Um, and, and almost with any bike, you get used to things like that. But just to let you know, if you're looking at a bike like this, it is something I think it's touchy enough. It is something you would have to get used to. Not as a negative, necessarily, but something you'd, you'd probably get some practice in over a few rides and, and get accustomed to it as you go. Yeah, absolutely. And and some people might might love that, you know. It's just it's just how it is. It, it is something, and this is true of all bikes with pedal assist, that it can be a little bit uh, hard when you're just taking off from a stop because it does take I don't know, a half a revolution or so of the pedals before the pedal assist kicks in. So, and you're, you are trying to get off the line with a heavy bike. So the throttle is very helpful for that and very useful. And uh, I'm glad it's there. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the pedal assist since you mentioned that. Um, like, like you said, you do have to get through maybe a half revolution, revolution or, or a little bit of re- more than that, I think, um, to get the throttle assist to kick in or pedal assist to kick in. Um, on this bike, being a single speed, when you're just starting off from a start, that's that takes a second, which if you're expecting it, great, and you get used to it. But um, once you're at speed, the pedal the pedal assist, I feel, is very responsive and, and perfectly adequate for everything going forward. Yeah, I thought so too. Very comfortable. It doesn't have a lot of that, you know, feeling like it's on off, on off sort of thing. It was, um, it was, it's well implemented. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Jared, I never rode the bikes more than about fifteen or twenty miles at a clip, so I never really got to the point where I was pushing the range of the bike. But I know that you did. So, talk a little bit about the range that you saw out of the bikes. Yeah, sure. So, um, I, first of all, let me say I think the range on this battery, which uh, I do not have it in my note right here, but I think it's a twelve amp hour battery. Um, I think it's completely sufficient for this kind of bike and the riding styles of most of the people that are going to ride this kind of bike. Um, I did make sure I took I took it on a range test at one point. I, I charged it up. Um, I even let the battery cool off from charging it up and gave it a few hours before I took it out. And I took it out with the intent of driving it, riding it until um, basically until it died. I wouldn't recommend everybody do that, but I wanted to do that for the purposes of this this review. And um, so riding it without babying it, not not pounding on it, but you know using it from from a stop, using the throttle to get me going, uh, stop and go traffic through some uh, pedestrian areas around town, taking on some longer roads and sidewalks and and doing 16, 17, 18 miles an hour is kind of a cruising speed, which is a little fast for what most people will be riding. 
I got a solid 30 miles out of it. It was blinking at me at that point with all the bars gone, but but it didn't die, and, and that's the point that I, I stopped at. And that's more than a couple hours of riding with stops in traffic. Um, and, you know, I was trying to, to kill the battery. I was riding a little faster than I would. If you're at a slower, more beach cruisery pace <laughs> and pedaling with life, light effort, I think 40 miles is, is a totally doable um, doable range. The 50 miles quoted for the battery, probably unlikely. But then again, at that pace, who's going to ride this bike, kind of bike for, for five solid hours? That's not the kind of riding I think most people would do on this bike. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think the battery is is very comparable to what else is out there and is more than sufficient for for most people for anything they're going to be doing with yeah, the reason. That's pretty much it. Well, I talked about that, so I'm going to leave you with the next topic: uh, the display and the controls. What do you think? So I do like the display and the uh, controls on the bike. Uh, one thing is it has a color display, which is kind of nice on a bike this price range. You don't always see that, so that gives it kind of a, a classy look. Um, the display is a very nice size. It's right in the middle of the handlebars, which I kind of like rather than being off to one side. And it has a ton of information on it, um, you know, the, your, your speed, your odometer readings, uh, your, your voltage, your battery, your pedal assist level, all that sort of thing. Um, it does display the battery, remaining battery, in only four different bars. Um, sometimes bikes have five or more bars, which is kind of nice to get a little bit more specificity. Uh, but this one is uh, a little bit more simple. Uh, the actual buttons are mounted on the you know, very close to the left hand grip. You've got three buttons that allow you to control turning the lights on and off, adjusting the pedal assist, adjusting the throttle levels, that sort of thing. I do like it. Um, Jared, one thing I, one thing I don't love um, is it takes a lot of buttons to get going. What, what do you mean by that? What do you mean to get going? What do you have to adjust? When you first get on the bike, first you have to turn it on, uh, which is, of, of course, fine. But then you also, if you want to uh, pedal away, you've got to turn on the pedal assist because it is off by default. And then you've also got to adjust the bike up to you know some uh, pedal assist level, at least one. So it, it, it takes about you know three buttons of interacting with the bike to get things done. You know, maybe that's only one button press more than i'm used to but it seems like um, maybe one more button press than you should need right and, and you have to hold down the buttons to turn on the pedal, pedal assist which I'm, I'm sure is probably a safety feature they don't want anybody to be taken away with it um without expecting it but uh you know on the other hand once you've ridden the bike it, it's it's easy to forget to turn on the bike and then hold down a button and turn on the assist and then you you're kind of expecting it to help you out and it doesn't and that still happens to me even after, you know, almost a couple hundred miles. So, you know, I prefer it to be otherwise. I don't know if you can adjust that in the settings. I didn't see an obvious one, but admittedly I didn't look too closely. Um, maybe that's something you can fix, but I didn't see it. So, And you're right. I think that is probably a safety feature to turn everything off by default. But, um, you know, I, I would like it to be just a little bit easier in an ideal world. That's just a software thing, but, you know, just an observation. Yeah, no, it's a good observation. Um, let's talk about the gears. Uh, there's only one. And I, th- I think we've mentioned it on this show before that that's kind of perfect for some kind of bikes. The simplicity is the key in certain kinds of bikes. And when you have a beach cruiser, 
you don't want to have any complication. And not having a, a derailleur on the back um, is, is a benefit in both its simplicity and being quiet. You don't have to deal with gears not being mis- or being aligned properly. You're not going to get chain slap as you're hitting bumps. It just turns the bike into this solid, quiet experience, which is great. Um, this bike shines with that single gear at 10 to 15 miles an hour, and that's perfect. If I wouldn't choose a different gear ratio at all. And with the pedal assist, since you have a throttle to get going, um, it's not a problem only having one gear. You've got enough power with the motor to get you where you need to go. Um, you know, one thing, people have asked us about this before uh, on other bikes, that there is an option to get a seven-speed derailleur for this bike. You can order that through EBC. So you can change your pedal cadence, or you can stop pedaling and use all throttle. Um, you know, that's another option. But if you're if you're doing those things, you're kind of getting away from the simple beach cruiser feel of this bike. And maybe you really want a different kind of bike then. I, I think this bike shines as a, as a single speed, and that's the way it should be. Yeah, I don't think I would order this bike with multiple speeds. I, I think it feels right for what it is uh, for a beach cruiser style bike. I don't miss the gears. Um, I do have uh, you know gears on my uh, regular bike, and I don't find that I use them all that often. But on this bike, I, I don't think it's necessary. I, I like the simplicity of the single speed. Yeah, same here. Well, let's talk about the frame and the comfort of the bike. The frame and components are rated for 350 pounds, and I believe it. It feels strong to me. Yeah, it, it definitely does. I, I think the bike feels super solid. Uh, you know, again, I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a heavier rider. I didn't feel like I had any issues with the bike. It's, um, in fact, everybody who rode the bike said, "Wow, this is this feels like a solid bike." I mean, that's just kind of the the vibe that it gives off. Is that it's a it's a quality, solid, you know, sort of built like a tank bike. Right, and we'd be remiss not to mention that there is some flex to the frame, but we don't say that in a negative way. You know, some people. People seek out steel road bikes specifically because they have flex and a little bit of give to them. And this kind of bike, you know, where you want some comfort, it's not a bad thing for it to flex a little bit. Um, I don't, we're not by any, by any means saying that it's a wet noodle at all. That would be a problem. This just has the right amount of, of give in the frame. It's not anything that makes you feel like it's going to, you know, break or, or hold up to the weight. I think it feels like it's got more weight capacity than most bikes we ride. It just, you know, it's, it's a forgiving frame, and that's a good thing. It also comes with a very nice seat. Uh, it's got a nicely, you know, padded uh, sprung seat. Now, um, we may address the question in a future episode is, is there such a thing as a comfortable bike seat? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, I don't think you'll be swapping out this seat first thing when you get the bike like, like some, some bikes do. So I think the, the, the seat is nice and works with the, you know, the general geometry of the bike. But we do need to talk a little bit about the geometry of the bike. I think, Dwayne, you're talking about the handlebars. Oh, the handlebars. I'm so conflicted about the handlebars. Um, all right, let's go with this. They are, they are wide. They're as wide as many other bikes out there, um, as wide as any other handlebars I've, I've used. Um, but on top of that, they have a big sweep back, so they're also deep and wide at the same time. This does create a really relaxed riding position. You know, it puts your hands almost closer to your body. You're not stretching out forward to reach some. You're, you're, you're reaching almost just down in front of either side of your stomach. Um, the length of the bar is just a your pure length from, you know, the center all the way down to the end. You know, that lets them be a little bit springy, which is almost like a suspension for your hands and wrists. And I noticed this... Um, 
really a lot on the local brick roads that I ride on to get to um, get to downtown. In that these bars to put my hands on and control the bike riding through, you know, that constant bumping and, and rattling is far more comfortable on these bars than any other bars I've ridden on, including my three or four other bikes I've got. Um, but here, here's the conflict. They are, they are very wide, and they are very deep. And that causes a lot of difficulties in other things. You know, beach cruising is great. If you're on a, and that's what it's made for, right? That's what we're talking about. It's a beach cruiser. It's great. But if you ride a multi-use path and you have to navigate around people and obstacles, they get a little unwieldy and they restrict how sharp you can turn and how much you can you know, navigate some busy roads. Um, narrow sidewalks, same kind of thing. That makes, them, makes it difficult to, to negotiate you know, little obstacles and things like that. The same comes with storing it in a house, you know, as I have to do. It makes it difficult to get the bike indoors and down hallways. It doesn't go straight through my front door, which is the widest door in my house. I have to turn it sideways um, and kind of negotiate around. And I've smacked the brake candles in every corner of it into every door in my house. Um, and it even makes it difficult getting the bike into my minivan because just, again, it's the width plus the depth. Uh, it just makes it awkward. So... You know, it, it, as a beach cruiser, it's great. It's a it's a beach cruiser bike, and, and that's what we're reviewing it as. But if you don't have the the storage space for a beach cruiser, and you're not on a big open beach kind of bike or beach kind of lane or wide open roads or things like that, then there's there's something you have to think about. Yeah, I agree with you. I I don't I don't love the handlebars and the and the the way that the bike uh, sits as a result of that. And again, it's really not a criticism of the Model E as much as it is just the way beach cruiser bikes like this, the, the geometry of those bikes. You know, um, like if you're taking a sharp turn, you you know, I could find that my, my knee might hit the handlebars as you're turning. It's just that this type of bike with that type of handlebar is not something that I have much experience with or necessarily necessarily like. I think this is a fine implementation of that style, but you have to want that style of bike. Right. I guess this is the one place we've kind of strayed from our, you know, we're reviewing the bike at, for what it is. So as a beach cruiser, it is a great beach cruiser, and the handlebars are great for that. But with buying a beach cruiser, there are things you need to think about as far as how, how wide the bike is. The bike itself is not a big bike. It's kind of the handlebars that make it bigger. Mm-hmm. So, um, just one thing to think about. I, I think also EBC does offer or is considering offering some different handlebars. You know, going back to our original rule, we're going to review the bike we have in front of us. And really, this is the bike that most people would want to buy. So, yeah, so I, I guess we'll just leave it at that. All right. So, just again, moving through the last couple elements of the bike, um, the tires on the bike are great cruising tires. They're brand name, they're Schwab Fat Franks. You know, it's a quality brand, quality tires that you see on quality bikes. Um, and they're, again, great for the application on this bike. On the white bike, um, the tires are the, the brown Fat Franks with the big white or, you know, sort of cream colored sidewall, which is a great sort of retro look and uh, uh, I think the tires are great. Yeah, and I, I, w- I was a little concerned when I got this bike 
um, that the brown tires themselves, like the part that hits the road, would turn like a nasty black over time, and, and that has not been the case. Sure, it shows a little bit of dirt, but but the tires still look really good to me after after driving them through a lot of stuff. So um, I really like the looks of them, and they've handled everything we've needed to, including some loose sand around corners, um, including a golf course fairway without a problem. So should handle anything that the normal rider of this bike would would ever want to use it for now this bike has a solid front fork it doesn't have a front suspension fork i think that that's fairly normal for a beach cruiser style bike and there was enough flex in the bike and we didn't really miss that and i don't think that's necessary but we did have one issue with the front stem jared we did have one issue with the front stem so at about 60 miles it developed a little bit of play um as with every other thing we had an issue with ebc sent us a new one in two days with no issues and no complaints just a very quick turnaround and when i put the new one in which is not hard um i just took it upon myself to to do a post-mortem on the old one just to see what happened uh when i opened it up i found a chunk of metal that had uh, wedged in there that did not appear to come from this stem it almost looks like it came from like it fell in during the manufacturing process you know and this is it's purely a fluke basically is what i'm trying to say there's there's i have no concerns about this particular stem it looks on par with every other kind of stem um this is not something ebc could have done clearly they don't have a foundry in their their manufacturing studios over there so they didn't build it um so i don't have any concerns about that at all but since it happened um i wanted to let you guys know and i don't think there's real any issue to really talk about except to let you know that that did happen now what about the brakes on the bike um that was also a a little bit of a mixed bag um these are by bengal um which doesn't have some of the name brand of uh, tektro or other brakes that ebc uses on some of its bikes i i think we would say that there was no issue at all with the bikes as far as the the stopping power the clamping power these are hydraulic brakes that that do a good job of stopping the bike it never felt like the bike wouldn't stop or had any sort of safety issue and then they have a good feel to them um, but we did have uh, a little bit of an issue with the brakes so each bike, at different times, because we rode them a different amount, but each bike around 30 or 40 miles started experiencing like a crunching or juddering feeling out of the back brakes, which um, turned out to be nothing serious. Um, I called EBC. They were great about diagnosing it with me. Uh, they got on the phone with me. I got on a video conference. We looked it over, and they were able to diagnose that it was purely just some contamination on the rear brake pad. You know, that's something that could happen to any bike. Um, I hadn't had it happen to make that kind of sound before. I've heard lots of squealing on my other bikes and things like that. This was not that kind of sound, but we managed to figure out that it was. That's all it was. So they sent me. Um, they sent me some new parts. They sent me a new rotor and new pads, and they offered a mechanic. But frankly, I took the opportunity to wrench on the bike and <laughs> get a little more hands-on experience for the review. So. Um, I took the rear wall, rear wall off. Um, that was a tiny bit more complicated than I expected for one reason that was weird. Um, the way the rear brake caliper is designed on this bike, it prevents the rear wheel from coming off with maybe just like one millimeter of interference, just the tiniest amount. Um, and this actually happened on both the white and the black bikes, so it's not a fluke. Um, just a tiny bit, and it's, it's not 
a major issue. You have to loosen one of the brake caliper's bolts and swing it just a little to the side to take the rear wheel off easily. It's a couple turns of a wrench. Um, not a big deal. It's just It was just weird in the sense that it's not something that could have been easily designed out with uh, just moving the rotating where the brake caliper is by a couple millimeters, and that wouldn't have been an issue. But if you uh, have an EBC bike and you're trying to pull the rear wheel off and it's not coming off, uh, loosen the rear brake caliper, and I'm pretty sure that's all you'll, it'll need to do. I spent 15 or 20 minutes staring at it trying to figure out why the brake, rear wheel wasn't coming off, and that's all it was. So EBC sent, in, sent the new brake pads. They also suggested I bed in the new brake pads. Uh, Dwayne, you want to you ch- chip in about that? Well, yeah, interestingly, when the bikes first arrived, we didn't bed in the brakes, which some manufacturers recommend uh, because we went through the manual and it didn't specifically recommend bedding in the brakes, so we, we, so we didn't. Um, but now uh, when we were given the process, we did, and it's probably a good idea. And it's an easy process, right? Yes. <laughs> but I didn't do it. <laughs> It's an easy process. It's basically speeding up, hitting the brakes hard, slowing down to a crawl, and then speeding up again and doing it. Just getting a lot of heat into the brake pads really fast. And it takes five minutes and it's done. Um, But we decided not to do it when we first got the bikes because we actually talked about this. We said we're going to follow the manual exactly. And even though I would typically bed in brakes, I'm like, it doesn't say to do that. So maybe they've already pre-bedded at the factory and let's not touch them. Yeah. (laughs) Now we know it's, it's probably a good idea and it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. So we did that. Um, I'll tell you that it seemed to resolve the problem on the black bike, and then we we sent the black bike off with um, with EBC shortly thereafter. So, but then on the white bike, it it came, cropped up on the white bike, same same issue. And I did the process again, and then put another forty miles on the bike without issue, and then it started happening again. Um, I'm not sure what the reason for this is. I don't know if it's if it's brake pads that are being contaminated from the manufacturer or um or if they're getting somehow touched in shipping uh, i sure know that the second time around on uh, i had them i put on rubber gloves before i even opened the package and uh, made sure there was no way i was getting oil or grease on these on these rotors or pads and um and it still keeps popping up and it's something that you know you can clean off the calipers i'm sorry you can clean off the uh rotors and it goes away for a while and but then it slowly kind of comes back it's not a safety issue, yeah. and and that's key. It's not a safety issue. It just makes them sound a, a little crunchier. It's hard to explain, but like there's a little bit of grit in there or something. Um, and maybe if I if we hadn't experienced it at first, we wouldn't be, you know, so focused on it throughout the time of the bike where I'm thinking, all right, is it going to come back or not? So maybe I'm a little hypersensitive to it, but. Maybe and it's a sound I've heard on other brand brand other bike brands disc brakes too. Um, I've had Pedego bikes that have made that noise too. So I, you know, again, I don't think it's a deal breaker, but it is just something to be aware of. It's just weird that it kept popping up. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's move on to a. There's a big plus on this bike: the lighting. It's great. Yeah, I lo- I love the lighting on this bike. Um, it has, um, you know, a, a nice bright white front light uh it has a pulsing red light in the back and then the the unique feature is it has two separate lights um essentially behind and under you know uh the seat on the frame on the chain stays on the chain stays exactly yeah that uh 
glow constantly when the lights are on. And the cool thing about them is it provides a lot of extra light both from the rear and also from the sides. So just in its standard form, this bike really kind of lights up like a Christmas tree at night, which is which is nice. It really does. And those two lights are the brightest on the bike. And you know, side visibility is something that manufacturers so rarely really focus on. They might have a little bit of a, you know, a side gap in their front light or the rear light, so some light leaks out. But these are, these are obvious from everywhere you go, and and they make the bike look great, and they make you visible to traffic, which is fantastic. So I wish everybody would implement these extra lights. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of innovative, and uh, love it, and I hope that they bring this to to more models because it's a, it's a great feature. All right, next up, one of my favorite topics is carrying stuff. <laughs> the front basket that came as an option on the two bikes we got to try out is big, and it's deep, deeper than most you can get for bikes like this. And it's firmly mounted to the frame uh, with that custom mount that EBC has on the front of their bikes. You can carry a lot in it, and you don't have to worry about it getting shaken loose or anything. It's a great basket. Um, one thing to note is that Anything you put in that basket, because it's so rigidly mounted, anything you put in that basket is going to bounce around quite a bit. Um, you know, you put a water bottle in there, it's going to bounce all over the place. You put keys or something, you put a lock in there. I've dropped, you know, I put a lock in there if I'm going riding with my bike. Um, that will bounce all over the place and makes a good amount of noise. So you definitely want to get a cushion liner for it. EBC sells one, and I think you, you can get some on Etsy and things like that, too. They are great, and frankly, I think they're a necessity just with how much um, noise the basket will make. Not the basket itself, but the stuff you put in it. Yeah, it's funny. I can't believe I have this much to say about a basket, <laughs> but but it really is a, a very nice uh, basket. I, I, I'm not normally into front baskets, but I would order this on this bike. One thing is, I think we mentioned, but it's just a nice-looking basket. It's The design is great. Uh, it, it looks nice. It's got a nice metal mesh uh, that seals up all the holes, so no matter what small things you might be carrying in the basket, they're not going to fall out. Uh, and it's also mounted directly to the frame of the bike, so it's very solid. It's not on the handlebars. The weight isn't shifting around when you move your handlebars. Uh, it's it's always there. And it's also the front mounting point for the, the white front headlight. So uh, basket, super well done. It also comes with a rear rack. Um, we don't have uh, any of the special uh, fancy accessories that go on the, the MIK mounting system on this rack, so we can't talk about that. But just the basic rack is is a basic rack. Uh, it's got the spring-loaded um, bar, uh, as you traditionally would have on this type of bike rack. Uh, we've carried some weight on it. We've installed uh, pannier bags on it, and it, it does a good job. Um, it, the one we have has a little bit of a rattle to it sometimes, a spring bar, but a little piece of something, a little piece of cloth or something, fix that with no problem. Yeah, we've heard this on other EBC, EBC bikes too, and it's a very faint, very mild intermittent rattle, and it's just coming from that little bit of rack. So um, they put a little towel on there, and frankly, then you have a towel for whenever you need it, and, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, so beach cruiser bikes aren't supposed to be cargo bikes, but this one will carry anything you should reasonably want to carry. It'll carry a lot of stuff, absolutely. Um, let's talk about transporting the bike. So I mentioned before, the width of the, and the depth of the handlebars makes this bike bigger than it would otherwise be, so it wasn't an easy squeeze into the minivan. Um, that's an unusual problem for me. I can get most bikes in there without a problem. But it, it does fit, so I can't really say much about that. Um, 
Dwayne, I know you uh, put it on your bike rack. So what did you think about that? Yeah, I actually had some issues carrying it on a tool, uh, easy fold rack. Uh, the handlebars are one issue, you know, if you're trying to fit it on with another bike. But also, it's something about the 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 length and the wheels and, and the way the bike sits. In order to put it on that type of Thule rack, um, the wheel straps were not long enough uh, to accommodate this bike. So I think it would work on a Thule rack if you had the optional longer wheel straps. But, you know, it's always an issue making sure that your bike fits on the rack that you intend to use it on. And and this one may not fit every rack without a little bit of tweaking. And really, I think it's just with this bike, it's it's a unique design. And we've talked about how beautiful it is with this um, long single tube where the, where the battery is tucked inside the, the main frame tube. Um, but that does mean that, you know, it's unique in how pretty it is. It's also unique in how things might fit to it. So you just need to make sure you've got if you already have a rack, um, see how it clamps on and see if you look at this bike, if it's going to fit it. Uh, if you're going to buy a rack for it, make sure you try it out first that this bike will fit into it. So it's nothing bad about the bike. It's just, you know, all bikes have unique features, and this one just happens to have one that looks great but um, may not fit every bike rack. So next up, securing the bike. Um, the alarm, we already mentioned before, that's very loud. It works really well. Uh, it's integrated into the bike, so it um, you know runs off the bike's battery. You don't have anything to replace or anything like that. As long as you've got battery on your bike, you've got a working alarm. It's loud. It's appropriately sensitive. So if somebody grabs and moves your bike, it is going to go off. Um, but also, I haven't had any false triggers or anything like that, unless, frankly, I forgot that it was on and I went and grabbed the bike and I set it <laughs> off myself. That's my own fault. Um, it's great for when you're within eyesight of your bike and you just want to make sure nobody jumps on it and rides away. So the best use case I could think of is there's a, a local restaurant that I meet some coworkers at on a regular basis. We And we eat outside. Um, there's a good area to park the bike about 15 feet away from, away from where I sit. And I can put the bike there, set the alarm, and I know that... You know, if anybody grabs it when I'm not looking at it, I'm going to hear it, and and I'm not terribly concerned. If I were to go inside, though, I wouldn't I wouldn't use the alarm solely. I think I need a lock. Yeah, and you do look very cool when you arm it with the keychain transmitter <laughs> as, as you walk away. You get looks. I don't know if a "cool" is the word that I would put on the on those faces where they look at you with this loud beeping. Uh, but but people know it's armed. It's definitely got an alarm on it. You know, I do think there's any of these motion sensor alarms, it has a limited purpose, right? It should be used together with other other forms of security because somebody could, the, the alarm is sort of exposed. Uh, if somebody wanted to take a little bit of time, they could kind of break it off and throw it away or whatever. It's But, but it does what it's supposed to do, which is it gives you an immediate alert that somebody is messing with your bike. Yep, that's about it. So we like the alarm. Uh, use it for its intended purpose, and it's it's convenient and, and great. Um, and the other thing, uh, locking the bike. So you know, we already mentioned the unique-looking frame. Uh, because of that, you'll probably want to use a chain, not a D-lock. A D-lock has a hard time getting around that front main bar just with the size of where the battery is. Uh, a chain is going to give you many more options. That doesn't really limit you into what you buy. It's just it, just if you're going to do that, get a chain for this bike, and it'll give you lots of options. Jared, we should also talk a little bit about EBC, the company, uh, electric bike company, because you know uh, when you buy a bike, you're also buying into a company to a certain extent. 
Yeah, there's a you know these are expensive bikes, and you're putting your trust in in a company, so that's definitely a consideration. And we've had a lot of experience now with Electric Bike Company through this process. Uh, it started, we interviewed the founder and CEO of the company, Sean Lupton-Smith, back in episode 14, and had a great time speaking with him. And then we got a chance to meet him and his family, uh, his wife and his son, when they're here in the Tampa Bay area doing a tour of, of, of dealers in this area. And he is just a, a genuine person. He was a lot of uh, fun to talk to. Very nice, approachable guy. Really uh, committed to electric bikes and the electric bike lifestyle and the company. I mean, it was really a great experience. I, we, you and I both walked away thinking uh, a lot of him and a lot of the company as a result of that. Yeah, I mean, you, you never know what to expect when you're meeting somebody who, uh, for the first time, you know, especially somebody who maybe owns a, a multi-million dollar company or is a, the head of a multi-million dollar company. And, and we just came away from that meeting thinking he's just a real genuine great guy with a with a passion for electric bikes that he's turned into a business and and that means a lot you know and we're not the only people to have that kind of impression of of everyone we've spoken with at ebc and we have quite a few friends who happen to have bought bikes from ebc over the past year or so um they tell us the same thing they never get the runaround when they have a question or a problem uh if you call them you don't get a call center you end up talking to someone who is in california who's somebody who's in an EBC store facility or a facility and has the authority to take care of your problem. Um, usually people say, yeah, I talked to this person and Dwayne and I have talked to that person too. And that, that's, that's unique. I think in the industry is that, you know, the people you're talking to. Yeah. And, and we should say thanks to, uh, Sean for loaning us, uh, the bikes and trusting, uh, two, uh, podcasters that he didn't really know <laughs> with, with his bikes and trusting us to give our opinion of them. So we, we really do appreciate, uh, you know, that opportunity. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one other note. So we mentioned Sean was over here, you know, touring with dealers and it turns out he talked with our good friends, Dan and Julie, who have you heard about on previous podcasts as our, our glow riding friends. And they have gone from not doing anything like this to opening up an EBC store and shop in Dunedin just a couple weeks ago, I believe. You should check it out. Easiest way to look up their e-bike shop is on Facebook at Let's Glow Riding E-Bikes of Florida. As always with them, this is not a sponsored note. This is frankly just, it's, it's really cool seeing um, e-bikes grow and seeing good people involved and people we know and friends with. And that's, that's who Dan and Julie are. So um, check them out. If you're considering an EBC, EBC bike or you want to just try out a couple, go see them. Dan and Julie in Dunedin. Yeah, they have a really great store right there on the Pinellas Trail. But for those of you who are, are not in this area, um, there are EBC dealers cropping up all over the country. Um, Dan and Julie, I believe, were one of the first stores to have um, what, what EBC is doing now. They have this large interactive virtual display for configuring and ordering bikes. And I think Dan and Julie were had maybe the first one in the country, uh, but they're rolling out all over the place. So I think there's a really cool uh, customer experience to be had at your local EBC shop if you have one opening near you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Final thoughts, Dwayne. What are your final thoughts on the bike that we're reviewing? You know, my thought is that this is uh, these were very nice bikes. I, I like the Model E. I think it's a nice addition to the EBC line. Um, you know, as uh, electric beach cruiser bikes go, uh, this is a great one. It's a it's a great looking bike. 
uh, you know, well-built, uh, nice to ride, uh, you know, priced in an area where it's not one of the cheapest bikes out there. Uh, it's sort of, you know, in the middle of the range. Uh, for someone who is looking for this type of bike, I think this is a great choice. I love the fact that it comes, you know, f- very nearly fully assembled to your door, and you're buying from a company with a with a great warranty and a great reputation. So, you know, if, if this is the style of bike that fits your needs, um, I think this is a great choice. Well, Dwayne, uh, I agree with everything you just said. You covered a whole lot of material and left me <laughs> with a you, you left me holding the bag a little bit. So. Um, now, obviously, we, we I, I mentioned in, in this whole interview, there, we had a couple of issues, right? And for the most part, my honest opinion of these is that these issues are, are flukes. And, you know, no, no company wants to send off uh, a bike to a reviewer and, and have a couple of weird problems prop up. And, and that's like the worst thing you can think of, right? But, but I really do think they were flukes. The manufacturing defects, some of them may be growing pains in the sense of this was a brand new bike when we got it. I'm not even sure if it was in full production at that point. Um, so, or if it was, this was like one of the early runs. And I don't think anything we had uh, go on with our our, uh, our review is an issue that would concern me really in the least. So just a, it's a really great bike. It's a it's a powerful, smooth comfortable sturdy bike that i think will you know if you if you purchase it it's going to serve you for years to come and it's going to do a good job doing it and really give you that 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 beach cruiser feel if you have the place to store it and you have the the kind of areas to ride it in that it was designed for i there's no reason you you wouldn't want to try this bike out i think it's a good bike so And if you're an EBC rider and you have some thoughts about this review or if you're looking at EBC bikes and have some questions, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what you're thinking. Uh, Keep sending us ideas at ebikeradio at gmail.com. We love getting your mail and hearing ideas for future episodes. Uh, Just today, one of our listeners, Ted, asked to hear about motion alarms, and we talked about one today. And If you want to hear us cover more of those, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about our next episode real quick. Um, next episode, CEO and creator of Pedego Electric Bicycles, Don DiCostanzo, joins us to talk about how Pedego came to be, uh, tells us a little bit about their bikes, and what he thinks the future holds for the industry. So um, make sure you subscribe to the show on your podcast player choice and follow us so you don't miss that episode or anything else we have coming up. And you can look to any of our past episodes and the notes from them on our website, www.ebikeradio.com. We'll definitely put links to the Sean Lupton Smith interview in the notes for this episode. So if you're considering an EBC bike and you want to hear more, check that one out too. As always, thanks for listening and stay tuned to Electric Bike Radio. What up? They want to they wanna know um, what you guys are doing and like why you're taking so long. <laughs> it's been an hour 47 minutes, Dad. We never said that! <laughs>